Hey everybody, welcome to Match of the Year podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia, and today we're looking at the third of the three Ring of Honor Wrestling Observer Newsletter Match of the Year winners. And this one's one that's really special to me because, in a way, it's what this entire podcast is about. It's about looking at matches that people might not get at first, and I didn't get this match at first. I really didn't. And then when I watched it again and a couple other more times, I realized this is almost the perfect wrestling match for someone who really loves the sport. And I say the sport, even though, you know, they keep telling us it's entertainment, it's a spectacle. WWE does that a lot. This is sport. And that that's really a fascinating little mindset. But this match between Brian Danielson and Takeshi Morishima, or Morishima Takeshi, depending on who you are, <laughs> uh, really a spectacular match. Let's sort of get into the background of these two performers. Uh, Morishima was a great wrestler. He had to retire recently because of health problems, which is always a shame because he was really he was really good and in a very different way than a lot of Japanese wrestlers. Uh, he reminded me a lot of sort of the two classic powerhouses, I guess. In a way, it's hard to really describe them. Uh, Hashim- Shinya Hashimoto of New Japan Pro Wrestling from the 1980s through the 90s uh, into 2000. He passed away, I believe, in 2005, maybe 2006. Uh, Hall of Famer, spectacular. And sort of his All Japan... Uh, 1990s cohort, I guess, was uh, Toshiaki Kawada. Kicks, great work, a hard, hard work ethic. And he has sort of those elements. And when you watch his Japanese wrestling uh, in Japan, you sort of see those elements coming through. But he was also a brawler. And really, I think the two people who come through the most in his the style that he works are Stan the Lariat Hansen and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Great brawler, and he threw in, and in a way also, largely because of his uh, backdrop driver, back suplex finish, uh, Steve Dr. Death Williams. What's really fascinating is his career never took off. It did. He was big. He was the Noah champion. He was, you know, all over the place. He was an international star. But he was never able to be mentioned in the same breath as Kobashi, as Misawa, as Akiyama, any any of those guys. And that was kind of a shame, uh, because he had that level of talent. Part of the reason for that might have been his physique. He was a pudgy guy. (laughs) He really was. Um, He didn't... Cosmetically, he was not the type of guy you think of as a superstar wrestler. That said, he was a great wrestler. Brian Danielson is also known as Daniel Bryan in the WWE. Uh, Also, his career is in jeopardy at the moment because of concussions. Uh, I hope he'll come back, and I'm almost certain he will. Even if he has to leave the WWE and go somewhere else, he will find a way to wrestle again. And he's just a huge talent one of the most talented in-ring performers you will ever see. Uh, a very different type of charisma than most wrestlers. I'm actually shocked that 
the WWE recognized that and gave him the chance. He worked all over the place, mostly trained by Shawn Michaels, uh, was the American Dragon for years, really shown in the first, uh, and sec- I think the, both the first and the second uh, King of Indies, uh, which of course led to the formation of Ring of Honor, where he was a huge star. Just an amazing worker in a number of different ways. He could change styles very quickly. Uh, he could go from doing a strong style kick base to more of a lucha style to uh, almost English submission style wrestling. And goes back and forth through that all the time. Uh, those who only know him from his WWE work are actually missing out because his stuff in Ring of Honor, uh, his stuff in uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, if you can find any of his things from uh, New Japan, or from, not from New Japan, from uh, England, uh, any of that stuff, it's really worth searching out because he's so good. Uh, and he's been gone for at least, I think, just after WrestleMania. His WrestleMania match is pretty good. He was part of the uh, ladder match and was really, really solid. Uh, I really think he's an amazing talent. And, you know, the comparisons to Chris Benoit are all right there. Uh, very similar style, similar size, uh, but really just spectacular in the ring. One of the best. Okay, so you have these two guys who are now meeting in Ring of Honor. And the first thing you notice is this is a huge size differential. Uh, Morishima, 300-plus pounds, big guy. Uh, They announced Daniel Bryan as 185, and I think that was probably accurate. Uh, And they face off in this match, and the heat is incredible. The crowd is just totally into it. What happens is Daniel Bryan is working early on kicks, trying to knot up his uh, Morishima's leg. Uh, Morishima is basically taking the brunt and trying to get a hold so he can do the big impacts. And when he does get a hold of him, he basically clubbers him. Uh, hits him with big forearms, uh, knees, some kicks, but mostly he's just straight ahead trying to hurt him, more or less, is what it looks like. And what's amazing about this match, and one of the things that really turned my brain, was Morishima was working as a gaijin. He was working like the Americans who were over in all Japan in the 1990s, uh, in the 80s. Uh, rough. Straight ahead. Slow. And I don't want to say slow because it's not a like match you're going, oh my god, make this end. But deliberate, I guess, is the word. He's not going for these big, fast action match like that Brian Danielson was. He was going for this sort of slower, more deliberate, breakneck, smash mouth, maybe, <laughs> style that really played really well off of Danielson's speed, striking, very action-oriented match. That makes this an incredibly interesting match to watch, not only because of the contrast, but because of this idea that the Japanese wrestler coming to America is now adapting the American attitude when they go to Japan. And that, that really, if you know, if you understand those two different worlds, how Japanese wrestling is structured and how American wrestling, and particularly American indie wrestling, is structured, the conflict there is so interesting. And it's great to watch something as simple as uh, Danielson uh, gets knocked down and he goes for some, and he's doing the butt scoot. 
which most famously used by Antonio Inoki against Muhammad Ali, where he was on his back trying to stop getting hurt by Morishima. And he's pushing himself around. And Morishima just goes and kicks the living hell out of him and then gets him up and tosses him out. Wow. Amazing. He, Morishima works this match picking spots that are so great. He'll take, you know, he takes dozens of kicks to the leg and he sells the leg really well, particularly later, later in the match when he starts to, when it starts to fail him. Uh, really great idea. But then when he gets a hold of him, he makes it count. Uh, there's some just great, uh, Dick Togo, one of my all time favorite wrestlers, uh, specialized in what, uh, I call dickatry, uh, which is just being mean as hell as the guy you're fighting. And, uh, he puts Danielson on a chair, sets him up on a chair outside and does a running, uh, foot wash more or less, uh, give him the big boot while he's in the chair and just brutal. Uh, there's a great moment where, uh, Brian Danielson, the one sort of sloppy spot is Danielson's work has to work. And it looks like he's actually like not able to do it quite well. Uh, almost as if Morishima is dead weight, which actually kind of adds to the moment. If you think about it and he pushes him over the guardrail to the other side. And then he goes back in the ring. And then he dives out and does this great dive off the top, uh, onto Morishima in the audience. And it's sloppy. It's not a pretty, pretty move. But it shows the intensity, and I don't want to say real reality, but there is a more realistic aspect of this. If you are in a fight, you are not able to perform pretty cinematic moves. But you are able to do these spectacularly impactful, you know, hit. And that's what Danielson did in this. Uh, we saw... Danielson's great finisher, which I wish he would have brought to the WWE, uh, the cattle mutilation, uh, double arm bridging. I think it was called the double arm bridging tiger, tiger submission or something like that. Can't exactly remember. Butterfly submission. That was it. Uh, it's a great move. It really is. Uh, there's a beautiful moment where we see, uh, just absolute Danielson clothesline out of his boots. Uh, there's a great, uh, Fez press for Morishima. But really the highlight is the end. And Morishima gives Danielson a second clothesline that just poof. It looks like if he were full of flour, there'd be flour all over the arena. Um, but then he picks him up and gives him the backdrop driver. And it's a great looking backdrop driver. And that's the end. It's not a particularly spectacular segment. It's not the kind of finish you would think you would have your champion, your former champion who's challenging for his match, take. Because honestly, in this match, Morishima looks way tougher. He looks tough. Whereas Danielson looks determined. And Morishima comes out on top. This is almost literally the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And brutal, wonderful match. Very all Japan. Uh, Danielson looks a little worse for the wear 
at the end. This match tells the story not only of the irresistible force versus the immovable object, but also of style. This is not a match that's made by a story. This is a match that is made by the style of work. And yeah, it tells a story, of course. All wrestling matches do, or at least should. But the story is secondary to this conflict and style. And watching how one thing leads to another, you know, the essence of storytelling are how you transition between one event and another. And in this case, how you transition from Brian Danielson's speed attacks to Morishima's deliberate pounding. That is where the real action happens, and that's where the interest is. Watching how Morishima reacts to having his leg kicked a half dozen times. Watching how Danielson sells when he tries to give Morishima a back suplex off the top rope and he ends up landing on him. Watching those moments in between, that's where the quality of this match happens. And I'm so pleased that I finally got a chance to watch this entire match. I hadn't seen it uh, until I started thinking about doing this podcast. And I realize now, this is the match I've been waiting for. This is... I won't say it's the perfect match of the year. I wouldn't even say it's a perfect uh, wrestling match. It's a good wrestling. It's a great, it's a freaking great wrestling match. But what it is, is it's an examination of styles. And that's so powerful. I, I wish we saw more of that. Well, you may be wondering what's next. There may be a break, might be a week off here. Uh, got a few things I want to do. Uh, one match I've wanted to look at for a while now is a match that I'm tempted to say was the best match of the 1990s. In America, at least. And that is Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels in the ladder match. And I'm going to look at both the ladder matches because that's there's sort of a story there to be told about how they both... And I think they both won... Match of the year. I think one won from the Observer. One won from uh, the. I think one won from the Observer, and one won from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I think they may have both won from the uh, RSPW awards. But there's let, there's something to be said there about the transition of the WWF at that point, and how wrestling itself was viewing itself. And I'm going to talk a lot about that. Also, definitely, hopefully, <laughs> definitely, hopefully, doing interviews with some of the folks who will be showing up on the shows here in the Bay Area, in Santa Clara and in Gilroy later this week. I'll be definitely at the Gilroy show on November 28th. Uh, I'll have the recorder with me. I'll be shooting some photos and possibly some video. Uh, really excited to get to see Timothy Thatcher in person again, as well as Jeff Cope and so many others. So stick around. I hope you'll listen. <laughs> 